Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Hey, it's good to see you, Nicole. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Chris. How about yourself? Always doing great. Always doing great. Talking about horses. Talking about... I don't know what it is with hooves. It's, you know, you've been around horses. If you own horses, hooves are so important. And I think today is going to be a really important topic to talk about nutritional impacts because there is a correlation, right? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, they say no hoof, no horse for a reason, Chris. It is super, super important area. Oh, you know, all of us who, you know, picked feet and trimmed feet and, uh, even some that our listeners that have shod, you know, their horses, it, it, it's just their hooves are so important. So today, you know, really going to focus in on that with hoof health and nutritional impacts. I guess just to start off is just kind of an overview of how our hooves grow in our horses. So when we think about hoof growth, it's growing from the top down to the ground. So what you're seeing on the bottom of the hoof, like after your hoof is trimmed, that's anywhere from nine to 12 months in the making. So anything you see on the bottom of the hoof in terms of hoof wall quality, for example, you have to think back, what exactly was this horse fed? What was it doing? Were there any events 12 months ago? Because that's how long it takes. So more specifically at the coronary band, uh, there's actually a very specific type of cell. And what happens is there is division. So it makes a new cell of what we call the horn. So that's the hoof wall itself, that hard outer shell. And it is made up of a protein called keratin. So these cells divide and then they just slowly migrate down. And basically they kind of build a wall if you think about it. You have all the different cells, the mortar between them, and those just slowly grow down. And what you're seeing at the bottom is, you know, the result of that growth over a very long period of time. Now, here we are recording uh, in February, you know, it's it's cold. You've had some snow this week, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. So how does season affect hoof growth or does it? Oh, good question. Okay. So you have this growth coming down. There's a lot of different things that impact hoof growth. And if you think about it, it, we're not just thinking about the outside of the hoof. So that's what we can see. You have to remember the hoof wall and the sole, you know, are made up of that protein keratin. Its job is to protect the sensitive inner structures of the horse. So, you know, it it connects to your laminae, which holds up the third phalanx or the coffin bone. You have lots of tendons and ligaments in there. The, The hoof is a really complex area throughout the year or even throughout life, there are some changes in hoof growth. Uh, Young horses grow hoofs significantly faster than their mature counterparts. Season of the year can impact hoof growth as well. So in general, they're going to grow fastest in the spring, slowest in the winter. There's probably some confounding factors to that. One would be nutrition. Uh, Another would be amount of movement. So In general, horses in the winter a lot of times are moving around less. However, if a horse was in heavy work, you might see faster growth uh, because of the amount of movement. And then another thing that's really interesting 
is sometimes on a hoof experience is trauma. It can grow really, really, really fast. And that's not necessarily a healthy thing. So when we say it takes nine to 12 months to grow a whole new hoof capsule, that's true, but it's a very dynamic process. Uh, the hoof is going to grow anywhere from half to even up to four tenths of an inch per month. And that's going to vary depending on a lot of different conditions. Yeah, there's a lot of inputs. There's a lot of inputs, right? It's just, uh, but one of the big ones is nutrition. So, uh, you know, when you think about it and what we feed our horses or what our horses eat, I think it's just going to be very beneficial to our listeners to kind of break this down. So when they are looking at their, what they're feeding their horses, they can understand how they are helping their horses hooves grow. So let's jump into that. It is the the, the lead up to it because, uh, you know, talking about the nutritional inputs, which nutrients are really impacting the, the horse's hooves? A lot of them. And I I think that's a common (laughs) (laughs) misconception. Uh, You know, I say that one of the areas that as horse owners, we can sometimes, you know, create some hiccups is when we get hyper-focused on individual nutrients without thinking about the big picture. So you might say, I want to add biotin to improve my horse's hoof health. Maybe the horse will respond to that because biotin is one of the factors. Uh, however, because there's so many nutrients, what if biotin wasn't the limiting nutrient that was, you know, creating the issues in your horse's hoof health? So I always say, let's let, take a look at the overall diet first and make sure we're meeting all of the horse's needs and then maybe think about a hoof supplement. So taking that big picture approach, and then we can like talk about some that are very specific One, of course, would be energy. Every process in the horse's body requires energy. So if a horse is malnourished, they're not consuming enough calories, obviously their body is not going to be able to divert enough calories towards growing hoof. So that would be part of it. Uh, From there, thinking about the things that really make up the horn of the hoof, so the keratin, you know, your specific amino acids, the sulfur-containing ones, so methionine would be one of those. Uh, It's an essential amino acid. The horse can't produce it itself. That's why it's essential that we provide it in the diet. And in the natural horse of the diet, so forages, methionine is often a limiting amino acid. The other sulfur-containing amino acid is cysteine. This can be produced by the horse, so the body can produce cysteine, meaning we don't have to provide that in the diet, but the horse produces cysteine from methionine. So if methionine is limiting, it's not going to have enough cysteine either. And these make up a large part of the protein structure in keratin. Other amino acids are used as well. But because there's this strong but flexible cross-linking between them because of those sulfur bonds. So those specific amino acids. So the quality of the protein in your horse's diet matters. Uh, Thinking about vitamins, um, you know, we did mention biotin already. In the research, some horses respond to biotin, others don't. Biotin is a vitamin that is produced in the hindgut of the horse. There isn't a minimum requirement. So Did those horses who responded to biotin not just not get quality enough forage so they didn't have a healthy enough hindgut to produce all the vitamins that they needed? That's possible. You know, 
biotin's role is in keratin production. It's an needed in some of the enzymatic reactions required to produce keratin. Uh, then we can think about our minerals. So calcium, for example, also a part of that cross-linking of the hoof proteins. Uh, copper and zinc are used in building keratin. Uh, copper also actually has a role in that formation of cross-linking that stitches everything together. Uh, you know, an interesting place you can kind of see that play out would be your white line. So after your horse is trimmed, you can see the outer wall and you can kind of see this white line that goes around the hoof. Tighter is better. A stretched white line is a less healthy white line. Um, and if we have good cross-linking, we can have a tighter white line, which means it's less likely to have uh, different pathogens. So bacteria or fungus invade there and cause issues like white line. And then, you know, another nutrient that would be important would be iodine. You know, it's something that traditionally we only thought about in the focus of metabolism because it has a role with the thyroid, um, but we actually know that it can act as an antifungal agent um, and can be very helpful in resolving white line. So it's kind of this whole host of nutrients. All the ones that I talked about should be in your basic horse diet. So often what I find when we have hoof health issues is that we need to address the base diet first. Have I picked the right product? Am I feeding it at at least the minimum recommended level for my horse's needs? Then sometimes some horses need an additional hoof supplement. Uh, but a lot of times we can eliminate supplementation if we address the base diet. And of course, I very rarely would recommend us just focusing on one nutrient because how in the world do you know that the horse you know, specifically needs just one of those many nutrients involved in the process of growing a healthy hoof. I, you explained that very well. And, and I, and I followed you that, yeah, cause hoof, hoof supplements, there's plenty on the market and people do spend quite a bit of money buying them, feeding them to their horses. But I always go back to everything you've been talking about, you know, the, the over the past year plus, the balanced diet, making sure, you know, a good quality forage, we always start there and then bringing in a quality concentrate to fill in those gaps. So for, for hoof health. So anything else nutritionally that may impact the hooves? I'm thinking, you know, some of the good stuff, you know, hind gut, hind gut health, but some of the, you know, I put the good, the bad, the downright ugly causes of laminitis. If you could address some of that. Sure. Yep. So when we think about hoof health, laminitis would be like the, oh my God, we want to stay away from issue. And, you know, when it comes to that, um, it's more an interaction with how the horse uh, processes some of our energy sources that cause issues like laminitis. So laminitis is simply inflammation in the hoof capsule. So you have that sensitive laminate that attaches the hoof wall, and then the coffin bone, so the last bone in the horse's hoof. When there's inflammation in that hoof, we can have some major issues. It's very painful for the horse. And long-term inflammation can actually cause the breakdown of those connections. So the coffin bone can either rotate, so the tip of it can drop down, or it can even sink. And the very dramatic, you know, end result of that could be the coffin bone coming through the bottom of the horse's hoof. Uh, 
I mean, just the implications of that are so horrifying. So one of the things that is a trigger for laminitis is dietary. So in some horses, they don't process sugars very well. So non-structural carbohydrates because they have equine metabolic syndrome. And because they don't process those non-structural carbohydrates, specifically glucose well, their body produces more and more insulin. And we have research that very directly implicates high levels of insulin with much higher increase of risk of laminitis. So, you know, many horses do okay with moderate amounts of sugar and starch in their diet, particularly if they're doing very athletic jobs. Think about the thoroughbred racehorse. That horse needs a lot of quick energy to do its job. However, if you have a horse with insulin resistance or equine metabolic syndrome, high sugar and starch in their diet ends up with high levels of insulin circulating their blood, which can increase their laminitis risk. So something we obviously want to avoid. The other part of that, you brought up hindgut health. So this is more the horse breaks into the grain room uh, type situation, where if we get a lot of starch into the hindgut of the horse, it causes the pH to crash and essentially sets off a toxic shock syndrome in the horse's body. And this isn't the only way this can happen. It can actually happen through toxin ingestion, some other things as well. But when those toxins start circulating the horse's blood because of the massive disruption in the hindgut of the horse, one of the results of that can be laminitis. Uh, this can also happen when a horse is sick um, or has a major fever. Lots of different things can kind of cause that more toxin-related laminitis in the horse's hoof. Um, but certainly making sure a horse doesn't have access to help themselves to any concentrate would be a large part of avoiding that particular problem. Yeah, laminitis is not fun to deal with at all, at all. So uh, if your horse is prone to laminitis, could you just give a just a brief, you know, how do you nutritionally support? I heard like, you know, NSC. So I'm thinking low NSC diets. Is is that correct in my thinking? Yep, that is correct, Chris. So we would want low NSC diets. We'd want to make sure we limit the non-structural carbohydrates coming from both the concentrate and the forage portion of the horse's diet. Uh, forage can be a large source of sugars, particularly like spring grass. If you go back to some of the podcasts about that. So we want to limit NSCs. And at the same time, though, we don't want to limit the rest of the horse's nutrition, the amino acids, the vitamins, the minerals, because that's not going to support hoof health, um, particularly if they've already had a laminitic event. Uh, we don't want to do the old school thing, which is take away all their concentrate and just feed them crappy hay, because then they don't have the nutrients to support healthy growth of hoof, which is even more challenging because they've had this trauma to the hoof that's occurred. So a lot of times this looks like feeding a ration balancer, like Essential K or Wholesome Blends Balancer, highly concentrated in nutrients, small feeding volume, low NSC. Sometimes these horses also need additional calories. So we might look at a product like Calm and Easy, for example, which is still low NSC, but provides some calories along with those nutrients as well. So always keeping the big picture in mind, even though in some horses we do need to limit some sources of calories. Okay. And then just, I, I guess to kind of take all this home, 
what is the ideal diet? And, and I know we've said this in other podcasts, but again, it's always worth repeating just to su- support healthy hooves. What would a, a typical horse diet that's not laminitic uh, look like? Oh gosh. Well, it, it could really look like anything. So it's big picture going to be high quality forage fed at at least 1.5% of body weight or greater And then a concentrate that's designed to fill in their non-energy nutrient needs, the amino acids, the trace minerals, the vitamins, plus their calorie needs. And depending on their age, their stage of work, their basic metabolism, those calorie needs could differ quite a bit. So I would say that we are probably not, you know, if they're otherwise healthy, have no underlying metabolic issues. We aren't quite as worried about NSC. That doesn't mean we're going to feed them you know, straight oats or lots of sweet feed, because we know there's other implications with feeding high NSC diets, but it's usually a moderate to low NSC diet, just fed at at least the minimum recommended feeding rate for that horse's needs. You know, I, I kind of joke, nutrition is super complicated, right? Uh, people spend mm-hmm. lifetimes on it. You know, I have three degrees mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm d- continuously learning and doing all those things, Yes, but it's also pretty darn simple, right? feed the horse lots of hay, pick a concentrate that I can feed at least the minimum amount of. And you know what? I've probably covered most of their bases that way. Um, There are certainly lots of ways past that to fine tune things, but that's the perfect place to start. And if you've listened to that and go, I have no idea if I'm doing that or not, just give us a call. You know, we're happy to help with that. Just Mm -hmm. let us know what are you feeding, how much per day, and we will take it from there. Now, yeah, exactly. If if you have any questions, that link is always in the show notes. Free consultation. Please use it. You know, answer all of your questions. The team there back in Ohio. So, any final tips? You know, on how we can nutritionally support our horses and and their hooves. Well, actually, my final tips are not nutrition related. Uh, it ah. it's really just to remember that nutrition is one component of a total health program and a hoof program. Um, So you certainly need quality farrier work. And then also think about the environment that your horse is in Um, and recognize, again, we can make nutritional changes, but it's going to take nine to 12 months to see those changes in the bottom of the hoof. So one thing that I laugh about a little bit is one time we had just launched a product and we got a negative product review. And that negative product review was that when I started feeding this, my horse's hooves fell apart. Well, the product had only been out for two months and it was the middle of August. So as we know, we probably wouldn't see any impact of that new feed yet on that horse's feet, Mm -hmm. but the ground can be hard. They can be stomping at flies, you know, Mm -hmm. fly boots are probably the situation in that particular case. So it just kind of makes you laugh and just always remember to take a step back. Cause again, if you get hyper-focused on one area, you could be doing a great job there and just make sure we look at the big picture overall. Um, And finally, I would always say, once you find a good farrier, do anything you can to keep them. Um, it's, yes. it is, it <laughs> is very hard work. Um, and we're very thankful for the fact that they do that job. Um, and I will tell you a quick, funny story. I always knew it was hard work and, um, I had a horse spring issue and the farrier wasn't going to be able to get out. And I was like, okay, farrier can't come till tomorrow. I can't leave you walking around on this horribly mangled shoe that's half on your foot. <laughs> 
I have the tools. I'm going to take it off. I am sweating and grunting. And oh my God, it was such a process. (laughs) I did indeed get that shoe off, not before I split the back of my pants. So (laughs) it it is not an easy job. And when my farrier came the next time, I'm like, I don't know how you make that look so, so easy. Uh, But, Uh, you know, nutrition is a big part of Huff Health, but it is only one part. So we just have to make sure that we can do all of those parts well. And that's the challenge of being a horse owner. Yeah. Like, you know, I know we, we pay our farriers, but they are, they, oh, I've, I've just talked to a bunch and worked with them and, you know, bring them some coffee or bring them some sweets or something and, and just let them know how much you appreciate what they do because uh, they're so important to our horses. And uh, so any farriers out there listening, thank you. You know, we do appreciate you. We really do. And, and, and we admire you, you know, for sure. <laughs> Well, we'll leave it at that, you know, Hoof Health. And again, if you have any questions, you can reach out to the tribute team. Please keep those suggestions coming on Facebook or you can email us, you know, let us know what topics you want us to cover and we will put them on the calendar. But thank you so much. And thank you for those that have gone to iTunes and left us five-star reviews. You know, if you can do that, thank you. It means so much to Nicole and I. And we're just going to keep doing this. So stay tuned next week for another great episode. And thanks, Nicole. Thanks, Chris.